0: And I'm not sure it's ever a good idea to bet our eternity or build our theology on hypotheticals.
1: Welcome to the Search Podcast, where we have conversations about the big questions of God and life. I'm Blaine Larson, and today we're going to discuss, will God let someone into heaven who believes in Jesus but lives an immoral life? My guest for this topic is Dr. Mel Cure. Mel received his BBA from North Texas State University, an MA in Theology from Fuller Seminary, another MA in Biblical Studies from DTS. You got enough MAs? Decided to go on and get the doctorate? Uh, The d men Doctor of Ministry from Phoenix Seminary. Mel, you are more than qualified to be here. Thank you for joining me today on the podcast.
0: (laughs) Well, it just shows how much I don't know. All that education, I'm still trying to figure it out.
1: (laughs) And uh, and you're on Search's staff in Frisco, Texas, correct? About five years or so now.
0: It's been six, actually. Six years. Fantastic.
1: Well, here's how I understand the claim of Jesus. All right, eternal life is a gift given for free, based on nothing that I have done or anybody else could do to earn it, it is purely given as a gift by grace, nothing that I can contribute to it. So the question then becomes, if that's true, can I just live however I want then? If I'm given something that I did nothing to earn to get it, I can't lose it, seems like, by doing something. So why don't I just go live it up. Uh, or you think of somebody like Hitler or Stalin or some some terrible person from history. Uh, they just, at the end of their life, they say a magic prayer or just believe or whatever. Uh, they get into heaven. No big deal. Wipe it all clean. Is that how it works?
0: The short answer? Yep. I'm, I'm reminiscent of a Thief on a cross, right next to Jesus. I think that's what he did. It Was kind of the jailhouse confession, wasn't it? At the end, we could cut there. But what I'd rather do is back up a little bit, if you'll <laughs> allow short me. Podcast. Yeah, this could be the shortest <laughs> one in history. A lot of all those degrees I've heard. because uh, I do think that one. Obviously, the question begs some context, uh, I, and I think it also begs the opportunity to address. What I I run across is a fairly common misconception. Uh, A lot of people I run into talking about Christianity seem to have one of two kind of misintended outcomes that they think uh, th- this whole message that you just articulated pretty clearly, I think, relative to grace and gift and all that, that it tends to lead to one of two things. This whole Christian thing it tends to lead to this idea, of, well, wait, then license. Man, I can just go live however I want. It's a get out of fr- jail free card. Boom. Or they may have grown up in a, in a sort of a Christianized Cultural deal, a home or a you know some some community, some aspect where they get the, they have the trimmings of Christianity sort of a foggy understanding, and rather than hearing the grace kind of message and the gift kind of idea, they've heard a message that's no it's more about be good, you know that they, that God's a good God and heaven's a good place it ought to be full of good people, so you really need to be good to get to God, and thus immorality would absolutely be a no no and and so so it, I don't think either of those are actually the intent or the idea behind this idea of salvation being a gift, a free gift. But more than that, I think th- those questions, there's always a question behind the question, and usually there's a statement underneath that. And in search, I think often uh, we, we, we add value by helping people kind of get to the question beneath and the statement under. Uh, and in this case, usually the statement is something effective, can you really be sure? Can, can you can you be sure you're gonna get to heaven? I mean, you guys, you know, can, can I? How Because how, the the people that I know, the religious, they all seem to be a little nervous. You know, there's the Muslim friends that are nervous about Allah being angry. And there's, you know, that my friends that, that go to particular other manifestations under this label of Christian that tend to kind of be nervous themselves. They may do Jesus, but feel like they need to be baptized. They may believe in Jesus, but feel like they really need to go observe Lent or give alms or do this or do that, that there's some sort of Jesus plus necessary because immorality you, surely, license can't be the, the the intent, you know. And I'd say, no, it's not. But uh, th- th- there's also questions that need to be addressed in this about faith. And wait, can't you stop believing? You know, I mean, I grew up with that whole Christian thing, but but uh, it wasn't for me. I tried it, and it really, wasn't my thing. Or, man, you know, what if what if I if if you knew everything about me? I mean, there's this part of me that I just is so evil. That surely God, you know, won't let me in if I don't deal with that first. I mean, really, come on. Or, 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 it could be again this idea that wait, I just can't believe you don't have to perform. That somehow you don't have to keep appease God, please God, somehow to to have any confidence that you're going to be with Him. Well, you could either know or you can't. I mean, those really are the only two options, right? And and so what I'd offer is, you know what that. It, it it really does come down to is this salvation a transactional thing or is it a thing that's constantly in process of being a transaction that's only consummated sometime later if that makes sense go ahead
1: yes yeah, so you, you just talk. put a lot out on the table so let's 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 start where you ended how okay. about that and okay we'll, we'll come back to some of the other stuff that you threw out there so as we think about throughout the term salvation I want to define what you mean by that and then unpack why uh, when I started this podcast why that's really the, the claim that that there is some type of finality certainty um, that that can be had regarding that and, and why we why why you would think that
0: good okay. Uh, correct me if I miss any of that, okay? Um, I'd start with salvation, okay? The word, again, the beginning of wisdom is defined in their terms. So salvation, to save is to rescue, to deliver someone from impending peril or doom. This, The biblical concept, as I understand it, is that we were made by a good God, right, and in his image somehow reflecting, representing him, resembling him, and and that part of that resemblance was to have choice, to have the ability to either honor him and be drawn toward him in a relationship, or reject him, and seek our meaning and our intimacy in something or someone else. So that that the any the object of intimacy can become a barrier if it's the wrong one. I mean, the reality is we turn our back on God according to the, the Old Testament. Humanity turned its back on God and sought itself and its satisfaction and its security in something else. The the consequence of that was God let us own that choice, and that is sin, and and its result is separation. Now, the biblical response to that is that same God who loved us to begin, continues to love us, and offered a way back, which was this perfect death of His Son in our stead— to repair the separation and the damage done by our rejection of him. That's being saved. That's being rescued. The perilous place that we're at, that we're heading to, is this eternal separation from God by the choosing of some other God.
1: So, and, and so you get that.
0: Uh, so how do by, we get that? Right? Yeah. That's what leads to the question. How do we get that salvation? How do we get that rescue, You know, that life raft being thrown to us? And the answer, it seems like, is one of two ways. Either we got to do something for it, or we just got to open our arms and let it come to us, right? So every other religion, every other worldview, and a lot of folks that even under the banner of Christian say that, no, there, here's advice on how you get that. But my understanding of biblical Christianity is it's not advice. It's an announcement. It's not what you've got to do. It's what God has done. And so here's this, this idea that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him, believes in Him, should not perish but have eternal life. Earlier in that same book of the New Testament, God said to all who receive Him, even to those that believe on His name, Jesus' name, He gives the right to become sons and daughters. The key word in both those is give or gave. To give and, to, get and to, get, to give is to offer freely, as I understand it, back to defining our terms. So if something's offered freely, if it's given, then I didn't earn it, I don't think.
1: Go ahead. And so really the, the topic sentence that I threw out there, will God let someone into heaven who believes in Jesus but lives in a moral life, it's really the question, all right, so can you do something bad enough for God to snatch that back?
0: Yeah. And, and I would go back to, okay, so if it's given, uh, you know, even to clarify that further, uh, in another place in the New Testament, a writer named Paul says that it, uh, you are saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God, not of yourselves, not of works, lest you boast. The point being, it's a gift. It's not only given, it's a gift. Well, the nature of a gift is it's a present, not a paycheck. It's not recompense. It's not compensation for something you've done. It's a, it's a free offer that has no strings. So, so if it's a gift, if it's given, then yeah, you don't have to do anything to earn it in the first place or, or do I think keep it on the back end. I don't have to be good. You know, when I was given the first major bi- uh, present I ever remember getting at Christmas, the biggie for me was when I was about six years old and I had this desire to have this spider bicycle. It was this fancy thing that had this Really cool, you know, handlebars and this leather-looking, it was imitation leather, of course, seat cover over this banana seat. It was a long thing. And I remember wanting that thing for a year, literally just wanting, wanting, wanting. That was the only thing I really wanted. I got it. I didn't do anything to earn it. It was there on Christmas morning. It was yours. Go get them. I'll be honest, for the next 20 hours, that was the coolest thing ever. You know, by the twenty, <laughs> by the twentieth hour, I was like, "Oh, I'm, I'm moved on to something else." Did the gift cease being mine when I no longer was preoccupied with it, when I was no longer focused on it, and when I even started to negle- abuse it, and then neglect it? It was still mine. It's either a gift or it isn't. Now I know that we get into these hypotheticals about Hitler and about Nazi, you know, all these bad De- Jeffrey Dahmer kind of hypotheticals, and I'm not sure it's ever a good idea to bet our eternity or build our theology on hypotheticals I mean I could probably make up some anyway so so rather than do that let me just say sure it does lend itself to the question if it's a gift well then I can go do whatever I want, right? Of course, that violates the intent of a gift, doesn't it? Did it not hurt my dad when he who gave me that bike when I was out there trying to wreck it? The next day we built a ramp, and I'm trying to jump it into my neighbor's tree across the way. This big oh, long, this big cedar tree, and I ended up splitting it and got in trouble. And, but, <laughs> okay. I mean, that, that was not—obviously, the intent of the gift was something that I would cherish. It cost him a lot. My dad didn't, wasn't a wealthy guy. You know, he, he sacrificed for me. The intent of the gift was that I'd, that I'd see it as a reflection of his love for me. And, and love tends to generate a response in kind. So, so I don't want people to miss that you can profess to be saved. You can profess and not actually possess. I think if you really capture the grace of God— in a transactional way, where you really do, where the blinders really come off, and it really hits—not knowing about Jesus, but personally embracing Jesus as the only life raft, as the only way out—that's uh, going to motivate acts of love. I don't think it's going to motivate immaturity or immorality. You know, my wife, when she does things for me, uh, you know, it causes a response in kind. It generates a response in kind. So I'm not sure that the immorality issue is a great hypothetical road to go down very far if you really get this.
1: Well, maybe it's more helpful to take a slightly different angle on this, maybe one that's it comes up more often. And I know when I've talked to a lot of people about this particular question, the way it's usually brought up is in the context of somebody who at some point in their past they said – yes to Jesus, so, one way or another. They had they had that moment. This is a question that usually comes up in that kind of a context. Somebody's already said, sure, I guess I'm in the club or whatever. <laughs> but, yeah. but whether it's through uh, an experience, uh, maybe uh, pain, suffering, whether it's potentially through just bad decisions that they might have made uh, post— that dis- decision about Jesus, uh, for some reason, doubt comes in, and they start to question: Am I? Is this really okay. real? Am, am I really for sure going to be with God forever? Can I really know that? Am I psyching myself out? Um, how do you respond to that? Probably more practical situation.
0: Well, I think I think certainly. The question can be generated by doubt. It can be dinner, generated by some personal kind of closet sin, behavior issue, some some addictive thing. You know, there's lots of reasons to doubt that can be motivated. Um, but 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 also, I think what fuels it constantly, and is going to be a constant challenge for all of us at some level, uh, and the challenge being to just take God at His word that that. All who are given to me shall come to me. And nobody's going to snatch them out of my hand. I mean, Jesus said, you're, you're mine. You know, it seems like it is a once-done deal. But but the doubt is constantly, I think, going to be in play for the reasons we mentioned, plus one other one, which is, you know, every other worldview, every other religion, and even many under the banner of Christian say, you've got to somehow be good to get to God. I mean, then your intuition, it's counterintuitive. It's countercultural. You know, promotion doesn't come as a gift. It comes when you earn it. You know, you grow to the top of the class or the top of the corporate ladder by by effort. So so we're talking about a message. The essence of Christianity is so counterintuitive, countercultural, and counter every other religious message out there that there's going to constantly, I think, be this opportunity for doubt to creep in. This is a too-good-to-be-true kind of idea. I mean, it really is. It's the wonderful fairy tale to which all the other fairy tales point to. It's the ending that we all want. And Christianity says it's grounded not in fiction, but in a fact. And so if, in fact, that's true, we got to constantly remind ourselves there's a difference between eternal security and our sense of assurance about that security, what we call loss of assurance. I think a person can... can that a transaction can occur, that this objective fact in time occurs, which is, again, Christ claimed to be someone and do something, and the proof of that is he then rose from the dead to say, I'm back. You know, I died for you, and I'm back. So just every Easter, he's either there or he isn't, right? He's either in that tomb or he's not. And we still haven't figured out where he's at, and we still celebrate. So, so that's either a deposit securing your, your account is paid in full, or it's not. You know, so that's either a factor. Or it isn't so. There's that, but then there's also this sense of security I have. This, I mean, the sense of assurance I have. The, the subjective emotional idea of how real that is to me. Well, the reality is, my sense of my wife's devotion to me, it, gr- greater and lesser degrees, depending usually on the day and the amount of effort I'm putting into the relationship and all those things. That's a the subjective side of things is always moving based on circumstance and effort and all these other things. But the objective side is in 1983 on June 11th, she said, I will till death do us part.
1: You're married whether you have a good relationship
0: or not. (laughs) Legally and I think eternally.
1: Yeah. So this is just – this is such an important question, Mel. And and I want you to help us – help us think through some of the questions that – Really, this is based on because I, I see what we've wound up at here today. This idea that you you can't lose something, you can't if if eternal life from God is is a gift that you didn't earn, then you can't lose it by doing anything. That's an amazing thing. But that question and that answer is really downstream from other questions that we're going to cover in this series. So we're assuming a lot Absolutely. in this in this podcast, right? This is yeah. there's a, you've already mentioned. There's an assumption of the historicity of the resurrection yeah. of Jesus. There's an assumption there's a God somewhat yeah. like— and that the, the
0: Bible has some reliable—it's a reliable resource to go to for understanding about these things.
1: Absolutely. But I think the thing that uh, I'd want our listeners to know is go look at all that stuff. Go explore all those other questions, and and this one will probably make even more sense— because this one, uh, this, is, this, is a, this is a big, very practical question, but it is based on answers to other questions first.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Mel,
1: I want to thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This was fun. I want to thank all of you for listening to the podcast. And if you liked this conversation... Please subscribe, share with your friends. We would love to continue the conversation with you. So if you have a question or a topic that you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, email us, podcast at searchnational.org. In the show notes for this podcast, you'll find links and resources that were mentioned and anything else we think that you'll find interesting related to this topic. So until next time, thanks for listening.